TG Geeks, episode 158, February 26th, 2018. Discovering Telekinetic Directors. Hello and welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. I am Keith Lane and we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely, it went back to winter, Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm Ben Raginton, also coming to you from... Ben, only pawn in Game of Life. TG Squared Studios in lovely <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. Boy, did I just mix the streams there. I guess you did. We've got uh, an interview with a couple of directors of an upcoming film that's being released uh, digitally, and it's uh, the co-directors. So co-directors, gonna, this should be fascinating. Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Let's go right to it. And this time on our show, we have a couple of guys that are co-directors and writers co-writers. of a wonderful film that we just screened the other day, Mr. Alex Hoy and Mr. Brian Vidal. And they are uh, joining us here via Skype. Both on the same line is amazing. So That's right. <laughs> the wonders of technology. <laughs> the wonders of technology when you do it right, finally. Yeah, well, miracles never cease. <laughs> when you remember to to do the right button. So welcome to the oh, show. That's what that button's for. Yeah, okay. exactly. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So Alex and Brian, who wants to go first and kind of give us how your backstory and how you got into filmmaking, and then the other person can go. And then obviously we're here to talk about your film prodigy and we'll do that after we learn about who you are well alex why don't you go ahead and take it okay i'm i'm alex and i uh i'm from kansas city actually originally uh and i grew up uh, i wasn't i wasn't i didn't know i wanted to be a filmmaker until pretty late Mm -hmm. into high school when i got into our high school had a really good broadcast journalism program and so they kind of put a camera in my hands there, and I took to it really quickly and started making videos that were just so much better than everyone else's that I thought, hey, there might be something to this. Oh, my gosh, he's a so, prodigy. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> he's really humble about the whole thing. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the um, – I mean, to be fair – the videos that I was going up against, you know, <laughs> were really more the more the reason that mine were so good. But That's fair. Walk on, walk on, walk on, um, I, the best, my best uh, high school story is that at the end of school, I decided I wanted to do something big, and so I organized all of my friends together, and we made uh, be- just before just before everybody left for college, we finished a forty-five minute remake of the original Ninja Turtles movie. Oh my word! With costumes, we were all wearing shells and turtle heads and all this, uh, running around in the backyards and playgrounds of my neighborhood. And we—it it sounds ridiculous, but 
the people knew us so well as the video guys that we organized a premiere and like 300 people showed up. Wow. No way! And, That's awesome. And came and were cheering the whole time. And it was, uh, it, look, it was, it's a great movie. Uh, I, yeah. I tell people I'm gonna have a hard time making a better movie than that one. Wow, that's cool. That sounds kind of like uh, Rob and Michael, yeah. <laughs> what they used to do. I, I'm, I'm willing to guess that 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 must have really. I mean, knowing that 300 people showed up and cheered you on, that must have like pushed oh, a button yeah. in you and uh, say, oh, "Wow, yeah. this is awesome! I need to be doing this some more." Well, yeah, I, it was, the whole process was like that, and I had already actually. Um, I had actually signed up to go to school at the University of Missouri to study broadcast journalism, and at that point, I was like, "That's like that's over." <laughs> that ship has <laughs> sailed. So, so I went for a year there and did all GE classes, and then I ended up uh, transferring to USC the next year, which mm. is where I met Brian. Wow! Uh, and we were both in film school together there, and we worked on stuff there, and that was over ten years ago now, which is very hard for us to both admit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we've worked together ever since, and Whipper this was snappers. kind of our our first big uh, foray into the feature world. And and uh, I'll let Brian tell you guys where he came from. Well, you you know you you said that was ten years ago, and uh, children, we're thirty years <laughs> we're thirty years older than you. We're in to- our <laughs> we're in, uh, I'm fifty six, so excuse me. I have to. Hold on, hold on. Well, about 25. <laughs> I have to say that I, uh, in my high school, the uh, it was my junior year was when they first started the broadcast uh, journalism at the high school, and that was yeah. 1976. And it was wow. on Betamax tape and wow. you know, the whole nine yards and these gigantic cameras. It was just amazing. So impressive. I didn't. I was not in that, but I was. But that's the way it was that. back then. Exactly. <laughs> so, Brian, tell us about wh- where you came from. Yeah, my my story is actually it's it's very similar to Alex's. In uh, I didn't grow up in Kansas City, but I I grew up in the Bay Area. And uh, where from a young age, uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, California. Okay, because I'm from uh, I well, I was born in San Francisco, but lived in Livermore. Oh, okay, very nice. It's good stuff. Good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bay. I, I, uh, I love the Bay Area. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so it really, I, I started off sort of making, you know, skits with my, my family. We, my mom had bought us a VHS camcorder uh, during the, during the height of their popularity. And so we just sort of, as kids, goofed around with that. And I never really thought anything of it, but I guess some of that early work was, uh, you know, was, was helpful a little later on. Cause in high school, um, I, had an opportunity with, uh, there was sort of this class video contest where each class sort of had to produce a video of some kind. And uh, there was a, a guy who decided over the summer he wanted to make this giant action blockbuster thing. And so I somehow got in with him and started helping him out with that. And through that process, I was, you know, I was introduced to sort of the actual world of, of, you know, oh, you can shoot shots this way and then cut them together and it tells a story. And uh, we had a similar sort of, it wasn't a premiere in front of people, you know, coming from outside. It was, it was a big school premiere. And so everyone watched the movie. And when my name came up, you know, everyone was applauding. And I just felt like, like, oh, this is such an amazing feeling. They like me. They really, they really like, like me. Yeah. I finally have friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was a, it. Was a great feeling, and at that point, I was sort of like, "Oh, maybe I should I should try to get into film." And so I took a you know the equivalent of a film class at our high school, 
and then from there I knew I, I really wanted to get into it. And so I decided to, to try to get into USC and I did. And, uh, my experience there is just fantastic. Just, I learned so much and the only real, um, negative part was that I met Alex there. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, no, and then you uh, had to make all these films together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, a- Alex, uh, Alex and I, I think met the first week. The f- yeah. Yeah, natural, I think it was the first, natural, natural hazards class. Natural hazard, the first week we were there, and uh, totally unrelated to film, uh, we were in this class, and he told me about his Ninja Turtles movie, and I remember <laughs> thinking, "This is the greatest thing ever." <laughs> and he he, sh- he showed it to me, and and it delivered. It was, it was quite <laughs> yeah. good, much better than I'm telling you. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to top. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So then from there, you know, started off working on shorts together, and then um, after college, both of us kind of went our separate ways for a bit we worked on you know a lot of screenplays and just um eventually we kind of came back and continued working on shorts and then uh this idea for prodigy came up and we just we we knew that that the time was over for waiting for you know someone to come in and right we both we'd 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 gotten very good at making something out of nothing uh together and we both knew that we could trust the other one to get something (laughs) something with with without any resources. Mm-hmm. And so we thought if we want to, if we want to do it, like this is, this is our time. We can, we can actually pull this off. If we think about the limitations that we would have to work under and try and come up with and refine an idea that satisfies those. And that's kind of where the whole thing started. Well, it's one of the things that I've really noticed about independent filmmakers. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled beyond belief that, that you, that the both of you had uh, the presence of mind to, to realize the potential that was there, because uh, right now, uh, I mean, big studios. I mean, sure, they occasionally they put out some really, really good stuff, Black Panther. But uh, I have seen so much garbage that has come out of big <laughs> studios. I mean, I'm sorry, I gotta say, say it. But on the other hand, I see independent filmmakers, you know, like you, um, Maurice Haims, who we interviewed uh, a month or so ago. Shant Hamassian. I mean, these guys and all, and you. I mean, you come up with the most innovative, creative, and and brilliantly produced material with some of the most horrific restrictions because you don't have the backing of a right. studio. And I think, I think, in some ways, that that ends up uh, the result ends up being superior to anything that a you know a big studio might put out. Right. I think that limitations are something that really shows you, you know, shows you what you actually are as a filmmaker because Absolutely. if you can't if you can't execute under those conditions like it's not going to be it's not I, I don't think it'll actually be easy for easier for you if you have a big budget and all these resources at your disposal because this mm-hmm. has this teaches you every part of the process mm-hmm. and makes you makes sure that you know exactly what you need to get and how you need to get it and what's important about like organizing it in a specific way right to quote tony stark if you're nothing without the suit then you don't then, then you don't deserve the suit yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is well, a, that it's a great quote we, we, but, we definitely did not have an iron man suit <laughs> on set no yeah. but you know i mean it it really if you you can put that into so many different contexts if you're if you're nothing without some big something or other if you're nothing without the straight you, jacket yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> yeah I, so it it really shows you and i i think that's the best thing about some independent filmmakers is i've seen some films that were made on 
nothing, nothing. zero, you know, <laughs> and they're fabulous films. Yeah, so. Keith, uh, Keith and I, a couple of years ago, I mean, we've, we've regularly supported Horrible Imaginings Film Festival in San Diego and have seen just some of the most amazing horror films come out there. And then, uh, and then it came back and uh, I, had, uh, I, I had a press screening to go, to go see the, the latest uh, Blair Witch film. And and I thought, you know, I just saw, I, I just spent an entire weekend seeing some of the most brilliant horror films ever made, both feature length and short subject. And now I'm coming to see uh, something put out by a major studio and it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing how uh, how much that tends to, seems to be happening these days. Yeah. It... Well, and I, I feel like there's a, there's a tendency for, when it's a big studio film, I think, I think you can get away with more because mm. you know there are less less sort of obstacles in the way. Um, yeah, you know, for for us when we send the script out for when we sent the script out for Prodigy, it was sort of you know if the script wasn't good, no one's gonna you know no one's gonna think oh we should join in on this project because there wasn't going to be anything else there for them. Right. Right. Uh, I yeah, think, I agree completely. All right. Well, now in that in that same vein, I think that it's it's interesting because like you were saying, Ron, that like they also rely on the fact that they know they can get away with things like for us all the effects you see in our movie are practical and had to be meticulously tested oh, and yeah. worked on and we've you know we strung you know we've we, we put these rods up through the ceiling and then strung <laughs> strings to them so that we could fling things around the room and hover mm -hmm. things in the air like and uh, you know all that stuff for us was you know just straight manual labor whereas you know, yeah, you can write a scene. You can you can write a scene on a big big budget movie where oh this and this happens and we'll just you know that'll just be a CG shot. And, yeah, uh, then yeah, uh, you go to ILM then and you know this oh I can right. I can write that script in my sleep. <laughs> right, the camera will move through the skyscrapers around the building and follow the character as he does this and this and that's yeah right. you know and you've hit on something that I've been saying for a long time you know because it's a big studio sometimes it kind of and I'll just I'll just really say it on on a more common level. It breeds laziness, I think, but yeah. because you have to work on an independent level, I mean, it, it forces uh, forces you uh, and your yeah. cast to to come up with something that is you have to be just really on the ball the entire time in right. order to make sure that the product meets um, meets the desired results. So I have to ask now, where did the story from Prodigy come from? I mean, how how did that come about? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, it was um, so Alex and I we we decided to. Uh, you know, work on this feature film together before we actually had an idea to to run with. Um, and so we were, you know, we brought a bunch of ideas to the table to see, you know, oh, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. And I, I, I had actually made the original logline for Prodigy uh, for a, uh, a logline contest for this uh, screenwriting blog a long time ago. Um, and I, I won the, the contest with it, but I never thought anything of it. I just thought, Oh, it was just a fun little contest. Um, and so I, I, you know, we'd been talking and I eventually came across and I thought, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And so I, I right. mentioned it to mentioned it to Alex and he sort of immediately jumped on it and thought, Oh, there's, you know, there's something there. Um, and, and then from yeah. there, the process just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say it was a little different. And so we kind of bounced some ideas around about it. And, and when we, I felt like when we landed on like really what the movie is now, we, I think we both kind of clicked and said, like, yeah, this is really something. Because, you know, we were, we were brainstorming a lot of ideas, and we just kind of stopped brainstorming at that point and decided, mm -hmm. you know what, I think I think we should just start moving forward. And yeah, yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, from that point, we had an outline in like three weeks or something crazy. I can't remember. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really quick. And one thing that, because Alex and I, we had we had worked on a number of projects together, but we had never actually written a project together. And so we sort of, we split up the scenes and we were going back and forth when it came to the writing. And um, I was surprised because every time Alex sent over script pages, you know, I, in my head, I thought, oh, oh these are going to be, you know, a little rough. But every time he sent them over, I thought, oh, these are pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, uh, the same thing happened on his end, or at least, you know, he said that when we were working. So, um, but it, it just, it started coming together and it felt like we were very much on the same page um, just throughout that writing process and then sort of yeah. just continued from there. And it was serious, it was similar to the way we worked in the past, which is we, we got, we actually got the first draft done again pretty quickly. And then for us, it was, it's all about refining it. And so we spent probably a year going back and forth making subtle changes, small things here, small things there, adding a scene, taking away a scene. And, I mean, really it was almost a full year of, of refining the script before we felt comfortable saying, like, okay, let's let's move forward. Let's make this mm. – let's start wow. making this happen. So what was your shooting schedule? What, How long did oh, it take? God. It was uh, a nightmare, if that's uh, – <laughs> does that, that answer your question? Aren't, aren't, uh, uh, films? aren't they generally bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The original shooting schedule, if I recall correctly, the original schedule that we had was it was 12 days or something ridiculous like that, um, which was was very optimistic. We we kind of knew we were going to push that. So we were like, OK, yeah, we'll we'll maybe go over an extra day or two. <laughs> but um, it was 12 days, six days a week for two weeks straight. So it was yeah. like it was like a marathon. Mm hmm. Uh, and it was, it was wild because really, I mean, you know, what, what people don't see about the movie is that for the month beforehand, Brian and I were basically at the location every day and it was just us building the set. And like, you know, of course when we're building the set, we're doing it by ourselves. And of course we're always looking and saying like, Hey, this would be interesting if we added this here or added that there. So building a set went from like something that was slotted as two weeks to being like all the way up till the night before shooting. We we're still like, okay, we got to just make sure we get that alarm looking right here and that there. Didn't we paint the floors? I was going to say, I was going to say, oh, wait, there's a spot there that hasn't been painted yet. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, we, we made the mistake of we painted the floors like two days before we started shooting. Oh, dear Lord. And oh, so they were no. all done. And then like – in those two days, we scuffed up the floor. We, you know, we made it a complete mess. So I think we had to go back and do, do another, steps. another. I think I think we did a whole other coat of paint on there. Oh my <laughs> on, gosh! On two yeah. days before shooting or whatever it was, and yeah, totally, it was it was crazy. Totally worth it though. Every, everyone always says like as soon as they see the movie, oh, you guys had great floors. They were fantastic <laughs> floors. Actually, I was going to think you found a, a. To me, it looked like a legitimate facility, and I, I. So now that I now that I'm hearing that you guys built it, I'm I'm even highly more impressed. So. So yeah. two kudos to you guys for doing that. Thank you. It was actually Thanks. a – it's an abandoned animal shelter This is where we were shooting. Oh, And we were lucky enough. We worked with the county of Riverside on it. And they – if you shoot in Riverside, you can basically shoot for free at locations if it's county-owned. Wow. So wow. it was awesome. And then at that point, they've gotten a lot pop more popular since then. So it's not the same anymore. But at that point, they were just like, okay, here's the keys. You know, give them back when you're done. Oh my! And, you know, and and they said like, yeah, it's abandoned. So, 
Yeah, you know, take the doors off, paint the floors, run stuff through the ceiling, whatever. whatever. Oh, why? <laughs> wow. You know, that's kind of so, nice uh, to yeah, know. It was, it, was, it, it was an ideal location for sure. But, you know, we had our work cut out for us to make it a make it into a, a more facility-esque, you know, place that the wall in the middle with the mirror was not there. It was a big room, activity kind of room like that, but there was no wall. So we had to build a false wall in the middle of the room with the mirror wow. in between. So Yeah, and, and just there's, there's so much so much detail that went into the actual construction of the, the sort of the main interrogation cell. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that I feel like, oh, you know, we we put so much time and energy into it, but it's it is all just backdrop. But I feel like if if it hadn't been there, you know, people would see the seams a lot more. Oh, yeah. uh, like the the wall, the walls are all textured with this this you know very heavy material, uh, right. roofing sandpaper type material, which was just the worst getting up on those walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. no, I, we knew we had only that one location to work in. So if you're going to do a movie in one location, you better make it. Better make that location pop. Exactly. No, well, I, th I thought it was uh, great. Yeah, the production values I thought were very, very strong. So I'm very impressed. Thank you that, very much. That, uh, with all the work that you guys put into that. So I have to ask, this This is something that has always been uh, on my mind every time I hear about movies that have been co-directed. Now, it's, so, it's just one thing when you have a single director who is – Putting together a film, you know, they're not only is it their vision, but it's it's there's it's like they're also the engineer in a way mm -hmm. as as they're guiding the entire operation uh, of, of the filmmaking process. Uh, how is it to actually do that in, in a in a co-directing kind of a way? I mean, how does that affect the tone on the set? Um, is is somebody in charge and is someone kind of playing? You know, someone assisting that one and you guys switch. I mean, how does that all work out? Yeah, it worked out pretty well for us because we had known again we had known each other for so long before the process started, and we were very I think both very aware of each other's like kind of strengths, and so you know when I see something I want to kind of jump in and and talk right away, and Brian was kind enough to let me do that, and and he knew that when he saw something we would, you know, he would be able to get that in, but, like, I'm always jumping in and, and wanting to say things right away and, and get my notes in and across right away. And, uh, you know, at first I felt like uh, when we first came into it, we were playing to each other's strengths a little more because I I think I was a little stronger with the actors at first and Brian was a little stronger on more technical issues. And then as the... But I felt like as the process, you know, progressed, we both kind of found the medium of, like, both being able to you know, handle both sides of things well. So I thought I really thought it was a growing process for both of us. Well, yeah, cool. for sure. Uh, one thing that, uh, like Alex says, he, uh, his directing style is a lot more sort of get in and talk to the actors. Some a lot of times, even before the the scene, you know, gets started, before the scene takes place. Whereas my style is a lot more. You know, I come from a background in editorial, so I like to see things and then sort of adjust from there mm -hmm. so i felt like that really complemented our work because i we had great actors and so a lot of the times you know they would they would be they would hit hit the nail on the head right from the beginning and so it made my job really easy because my notes were usually just small adjustments or um things like that but then the uh as alex said as the as the show went on there were moments where 
you know, <laughs> exhaustion sets in eventually. And so it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's the kind of thing where I felt yeah, like there were a few like, days when Brian was actually passed out on set. So oh dear. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And there was a, there was an illness that like, yeah, like there was that a... swept over the set. <laughs> Uh, and so there were a couple days where, where, you know, I was, <laughs> I mean, I still, I was still there working really hard, but like, you know, two hours at the end of the day, I just fell into a chair. <laughs> um, and then there were, there were other times though, when, you know, the, the toilets exploded on set. So oh, Alex had to go. No. And, yeah. Alex had to go and deal with that for, you know, a couple hours. And so I was, I was there and those are the kind of things that I feel like, like when you're, when you have a partnership where you're both sort of, you feel like you're able to rely on the other person and trust the other person so much. Those moments don't feel like moments where, you know, the ball gets dropped. It's, right. it's you know, sort of, it just continues forward. Right. Um, I think that trust is key because especially given the way we are operate, like I knew, I knew that I could get in and give my notes without even a hesitation because like we said, we had worked on the script for like a year together, like right. refining every little moment. So I really felt like Brian understood exactly where I was coming from on it. And I think that I understood exactly where Brian was coming from on pretty much every moment that we had you know, meticulously gone over. So I wasn't ever worried that like, oh, I'm going to say something that he's not going to agree with or mm-hmm. vice versa. Well, yeah, I think a lot of uh, – oh, I was just going to say a lot of that, that groundwork that we did was sort of instrumental in making everything work because – you know, we we went through and we did a scene by scene breakdown, outlining like, oh, what's the intention of this scene? What what are some of the pitfalls of the scene? What moment? You know, like everything was sort of mapped out from the the start of production. So mm-hmm. I felt like we were really, you know, we were synced in on the same same page. Right. That that really sounds like you were all on the same page, and and it you kind of it was both of your babies in the sense that you co-wrote it. You built the sets. You co-directed. I mean, you, right. it was just. I it was, mean, you it was were a so true insane. joint effort. Yeah, that that's great. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, it's so like, and you know, uh, uh, Brian, and I, and there we all we both do have our own kind of areas of expertise as well. Where I was, I took over most of the kind of administrative producing side of things. Which uh, I think I think Brian was happy to let me take over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, but Brian is Brian. Like you said, he's he's been working as an editor uh, professionally for a long time as well. So uh, when it came to editing and even like a lot of most of the effects work in the movie, like he was on top of all that, and I didn't have to worry that I knew what he was capable of there, so I didn't have to worry that like oh we're gonna you know we're gonna be shit out of luck you know on right. one of these shots here or something right so speaking of you you said that i noticed that there was one name that appeared multiple times in the credits uh, <laughs> somebody he was the best boy and the best yeah, cop and the, the this and the yes. that and the the chief uh, bottle washer yeah, and <laughs> trevor, trevor was yeah. the hero the hero of our set he came to set the first day Emergency best plumber. attitude you, best attitude you could ever imagine you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed ready to do Anything and everything, all the dirty jobs, everything, and he had like a pickup truck, so he was literally the perfect pr- production assistant. Oh, wow! And, <laughs> and I mean, he ended up—I mean, he ended up doing all kinds of stuff for us. He built lots of parts of the set. He, you know, uh, he, he took all our garbage and like would oh dump gosh. it different places for us and do like I mean, anything you can think yeah. of. He tra- he's the one who transported the the giant plate of glass that that is in that. Uh, false wall. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, we needed that transferred, you know, from a 
you know, like seven miles away or something. Wow. And we were like, how are we going to get this here? Because we can't <laughs> afford to have them deliver it because the delivery fee was, you know, half our budget or something. Um, and so we were like, uh, can you maybe figure out a way to, you know, transport this in your truck? Yeah, no and, problem. You know, no problem. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right. He also, he was the one when those toilets exploded, he was the one with the mop. He was like, I'm going to Home Depot, brings back a mop and some bleach. He's like, I got this. You guys go oh do your gosh. thing. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so, look, this is, he was he was a superstar on set. You couldn't have asked for a better set. And he's he's also in the movie as as the uh, a guard in several places. Oh, okay. okay. I'll have to take, a, take another look at <laughs> yeah. the film. He's the, one, he's, the one, he's the one looking through all of the psychologist stuff at the beginning. Ah, I see. That okay. That's, okay. Yeah, that's Trevor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Special, and and special one, one other thing I'll say about uh, Trevor is that uh, we started off the production with, I think, four production assistants. Um, and by day two, we were down to like two. And by the second week, Trevor was our only one left because the wow. other ones, they they couldn't cut it. They didn't you know, know what they were going to get themselves into. Right. Yeah, it was a very, very difficult production. Alex and I are very demanding when it comes to what we want and how we want it done. And so, you know, if things weren't right, we knew we knew when things weren't right and we just we couldn't. You know, we we knew we weren't going to be able to come back. Oh, we'll come back and we'll do three days of reshoots. Right. It was sort of a, you know, like, hey, we have to get this done. Let's buckle down and, and make it happen. And right. Trevor was up for it. Wow. Is that what led to the one credit of Alan Smithy? No. <gasps> That's yes, right. Yes. That's, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't want to have anything to do with your film. We, we won't elaborate. We won't elaborate on that at all. But, but that's, that's, that you're, you're on the right path. Yeah, we both noticed the Alan Smithy <laughs> comic. Like, Holy moly. As I saw that, I went, wow, he's come a long way since he did that uh, yeah. special edition of Dune. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's gone yeah. from directing to, to, to now production assistant. Now production assistant. Okay. Wow, come along way um so i, I yes ha- we do know what the alan smithy name oh yeah is. we know the alan smithy name we're quite familiar with it uh, uh, so i i want to i want to kind of uh shift and now i want to talk a little bit about about the cast uh there there are two in particular and i think you know which two that i'm really just enamored with <laughs> and, uh, and so. that's uh richard and savannah yes. uh these two are just beyond amazing um, because, and I, I, I said this in my review, you know, it, it, the, one of the most common, uh, tales that is told in Hollywood is never work with animals and never work with children. Yeah. Yes. And, yep. uh, and yet Richard, uh, he's able to really stand his own against Savannah in just the most amazing way. And yet, uh, she is not the least bit affected by the fact that he's able to deliver an acting performance uh, that's equal and yet different from what right. she's giving. I mean, it is the perfect yin and yang that is going on there between these two. So I have to ask, where did you find these two people? Richard is an animal and Savannah is a child, so we broke <laughs> Well, no, so you got we, both uh, covered. So where we find was, you on social media? No, I'm kidding. It was it was the first thing when we said, okay, let's start thinking about actually doing this. We said to each other, okay, the only way we can make this work is if we find a kid who can do this. And it was the, so it was the, our first order of business, and so it was actually originally written as a boy in the script. And we did several weekends worth of auditions with young boys in LA and we were just not really getting what we wanted 
And it was, it was, we were actually quite discouraged at one point and had a conversation about like, well, we may want have to like, you know, you know, rethink like the way this is going, you know, and, and tailor the script to somebody who can't necessarily pull off everything we have in it. Yeah. And in that same conversation, we said, I think before we decided to do that, we said, well, you know what we should do is we, maybe we should open it up to girls too, because there's no reason why this character should be, has to be a boy. That's not, you know, it's not really integral to the story at all. Right. So we opened it up to girls and the first day that we opened it up, Savannah submitted. Wow. And she, I, I can't tell you. First, she was our first submission. I can't tell you how many times we like watched the video of, of her submission and we're just like, look at this. This is so awesome. <laughs> we, uh, we were freaking out. And I mean, honestly, all the girls were way better than the boys. Wow. And we, it, it hurt our pride as boys to admit it, but it made the choice to uh make that change very easy and we brought savannah in and she did a reading with richard actually uh at that point and we you know we knew we had it and you know obviously the you know we had a couple girls that were really good but savannah had savannah was younger than everyone she has the red hair and all those freckles so Mm -hmm. it was just like she is she was something else and it made our it made our lives very (laughs) it made our lives very easy to have Savannah submit and make that decision so easy for us. Right. Well, yeah. that's kind of and an th- awkward age for both boys and girls. What? Yeah. Eight, nine, seven. Yeah, she was yeah, but, nine, when we, nine when we started filming. Yeah, wow. but women, you know, it, it is it is a right. scientifically they proven mature, fact that they, they mature, mature faster right. than, than than boys do. I mean that you know, I mean hell, I'm 56 and I'm still a child. So what can I say? <laughs> uh, so I'm not surprised that she was able to ta- tackle it. Um, so tell me about Richard. Where'd you find him? Yeah, with with Richard, it was again we we put out a casting notice um, and we we tried to bring in as many people as we could that we thought fit the role. Um, and one thing, you know, we we saw Richard's his um, you know his headshot. We thought, oh, okay, this guy, he's you know he's got kind of a look. Uh, he's a handsome guy. He's kind of got a you know he's got a little rough around the edges sort of look to him. And we really wanted the character to be sort of weathered. Uh, Weathered. Yeah, yeah, weathered and, and mm-hmm. also just uh, our ideal was sort of a, you know, we wanted a guy who was sort of embodied what Atticus Finch, that kind of mm-hmm. character embodies. I, where I, when just, you were saying that, I thought Jimmy Stewart. You're, that's yeah, you're right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so with, with um, you know, we brought in a bunch of a bunch of uh, fine actors, but Richard, he he was the one actor where he did the scene and, you know, every other actor, we, we had them do it again. We tried to, you know, adjust the performance a little bit just to get it closer to what we, we wanted. And uh, Richard, he did the performance and Alex and I looked at each other and we're just like, okay, well, that was, uh, that was perfect. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it was, and I mean, to his credit, it was that emotional scene at the end where he's opening up about his own, like, daughter and like it that was the scene he did and like he just nailed it and we were both kind of like uh wow Wow. (laughs) Uh, uh, and so yeah he was great and we uh we had we actually at one point had this we had a tv actor that was was considering it and so we weren't sure whether or not richard was going to get the role and we were kind of deliberating back and forth and you know i think lucky for us now that that tv actor bowed out because I, I maybe maybe he could have been as good as Richard, but I, I honestly don't think anybody could have beat Richard been beat Richard's performance in the movie. I, no. I, it's my it's my favorite part of the movie, and he brings so much to it. Where there are parts of the script that even I felt like, you know, oh, you know, I was looking at it like this this line might be a 
a candidate to cut in the edit because it's like this could come across really cheesy or insincere. And every delivery Richard gave, I would just like, wow, I'm not cutting that line now. Like this, this feels great. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I thought he, I thought he was amazing. Uh, I, I thought I thought the both of them were great because yeah, Savannah's got the tough part and that she has to play this. This um, gifted child, and I'm well, not going to say any more because I don't want to spoil it, but it, it really requires a certain intensity and focus. And for a child to, to be able to pull something like that off does require a lot of energy and, and a, a, an incredible level of maturity to, to do that. And then at the same time, you've got Richard who, uh, I mean, he, I, I, I said this again in the review that if he ever decided not to be a an actor that he could probably become a practicing psychologist and be very good at it right right right. he's he's a very thoughtful person and he's he's i could easily see him you know going and listening to other people and talking to them talk you know telling them how to fix their problems he's just got a voice that you want (laughs) yes to sort of listen to and Uh, watching their scenes together was i mean that was the stuff that i was all about i mean i understand there were things that took place outside of the dialogue between the two the two main characters but it that that was the stuff that i was looking forward to the most was just right. watching these two act off each other go off each other yeah that's that, that, and that's 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 the key to the movie i think yeah and then i would just want to say that's that's a testament to how good richard is because most of the time due to you know child child labor laws richard wasn't acting with savannah in in his close most yeah. of his most of mm. his uh his close-ups I, in fact, probably all of his close-ups and, and medium shots, because we we did have a yeah, very, there was a very few that she was actually there for. There was a couple, but kidding. most of most of them it was just our script girl sitting on an apple box so she'd be lower so that Richard would have the right eye line and him talking to her and her reading very wooden lines back to him. I'm wow. even more so, impressed now. Yeah, look, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I, I can't believe Richard's not on the you know a network TV show somewhere. He's, he's so good. Yeah, he's, he's so good. really good. I mean, I was I I I love the both of them. I I thought it was just just it was such a joy to watch these two uh, work off each other. So now, so the movie. When did you finish filming it? We filmed it in 2016, and we basically filmed it two years ago. In we ended at the beginning of March. I think March 1st was our final day of shooting in 2016. Yeah. So Happy then birthday. we we yeah, yeah exactly we put it together uh, over about six months and had it ready for festival submissions in the fall, and then submitted to a bunch of festivals, and then went on did the festivals tour kind of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually started that in March. Uh, it was Cinequest where we premiered last year. So then we've we've got we were nine we're nine festivals now, wow. and uh, and got the distribution deal and the, all that set up. So we're we're ready to take the movie out to the to the broad audience here. So yeah. tell us yeah, now, yeah, now tell us about releasing. that releasing march 13th so it's it's everything's in march wow. all the good stuff it, it now you don't have to file bankruptcy since you got the distribution deal right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well that's that's we hope so we hope so yeah no, but the, uh, the the release is has been really interesting because you know i've had I've, I've talked to a lot of filmmakers that we met on festivals and stuff that have said that they make smaller movies that are you know really for a specific audience or have a specific uh, kind of element to them. Like, I, I, there's a girl who made this road trip movie about these two girls, and she's telling me how much trouble she's having finding an audience for it. And I think that the fact that our movie has the genre 
element to it. And the you know how obviously we found you guys is that you know we have we can tap into people who are sci-fi geeks and horror enthusiasts and things like that because we have that kind of aesthetic and draw. Even though our movie does dip probably deeper into drama and thriller territory. Right. So, you know, we're, we're really, but I really do believe that that audience, the, the science fiction and horror audiences is where our movie will resonate most because it's where people actually, I think, seek out this kind of content more so than for other genres. Well, it's a, right. it's a very smart film and, and sci-fi fans, I mean, are, they're much more intelligent than, than a big Hollywood studio pe- executives are, are willing to admit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and speaking of, of that, I, I wanted to interject something as circle back that we t- were talking about in big studio versus independent filmmakers is with as an independent filmmaker, you can make the film that you want to make mm-hmm. without the interference of the you know 25 layers of executives up above the film that you're trying to make right well even their the, fingers yeah, into the pie right you know? even the the incredibly at least it looks like incredibly imaginative movie that's coming out this weekend annihilation is a sci-fi movie and they i just read an article about how much how much he had to trudge through the mud to get it where he wanted it because there was so many people that are trying to get their fingers on it right um uh, even at that level. so Amazing. But I, I think it's great. We love independent filmmakers, and we love what you guys have done and what, you know, anybody that's – and we, we, we give a shout-out at every episode of yeah, if you find independent that. creators, please support them, you know, whether it's yeah, crowdfunding. Yeah, well, we appreciate We appreciate you guys, uh, you know, doing what you can to get the word out. This is, this is how – you know, we can do what we do is actually, you know, getting it promoted. It's, it's such a weird process because you work so hard and every step is such a, is such an ordeal to get the movie made and then to get the movie out to festivals and try and get it distributed. And now we're at this part and it's like, Oh, we, we can't forget to actually get the movie out there and get, get people to see it. Right. Exactly. So, 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 we, so the movie's going to be coming out. Um, March, March 13th. And what, right. what are the various platforms that it will be made available so that people will know to go watch it because it is yes. worth watching. Trust me. Awesome. Uh, iTunes is the biggest platform, uh, that, uh, I think people will have heard of. And then obviously there's the Amazons and Google play. It'll be there too. YouTube, uh, Voodoo, Fandango, Vimeo. So a lot of, most of the kind of big, online platforms it'll be on mm-hmm. cool. uh, and then it should be it's on most major uh cable video on demand services as well oh cool so nice. we want to you know we obviously want to have a good performance uh there in all those platforms because if we do then there's you know then we can start talking about trying to get it on netflix trying to get it on the sci-fi channel that kind of thing where it's like hopefully there's still legs for our movie to kind of run with right you know? That's great. So before we wrap up, I just want to ask, what is in store for the future for the both of you? Well, Brian just got a brand new job. Yeah, well, I was surprised to hear about this one. How? I mean, I this might be an interview separate, <laughs> considering <laughs> where you're going, and tell everybody where your new job is. Uh, well, I, I'm working now at Pixar, Pixar ah! Animation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I'm really excited about. I'm I'm working as an assistant editor oh, cool. um, on an upcoming 
upcoming uh, film. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm really thrilled about Which, that. Which, of course, you can't tell us. Right. <laughs> no, no, that would... That would uh, I mean, you I could tell us, but that. then you'd have to kill us. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, smash uh, our computers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a great ride. I actually interviewed for the same position a few years back before I, I uh, worked on Prodigy. And I, I felt like I felt like working on Prodigy was what actually gave me the bump to sort of make it make it in there, which I'm I'm so thrilled about. It's a great environment. I love working there. I love the people. Um, I'm actually really enjoying working in animation, uh, which is something that I I hadn't necessarily, you know, thought about. Um, So that that's been huge for me. But uh, on the side, I've also been uh, I've been scripting a a new uh, sci fi thriller. Uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. It, it's a. Uh, I'm trying to. I, I actually haven't come up with a good pitch for it yet, but it's okay. it's well, a. Uh, when you do, just say, we're here. Yeah, yeah just, as soon as well, yeah, you do, yeah. let us know, because <laughs> because I mean, I, I heard the word sci-fi, I heard thriller, and my eyes went up. You know, it's like, ooh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm really excited about it. I, I I'm on a third draft now, and I'm I'm looking to polish it up and actually send it to uh, send it to Alex to get some notes on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we we are huge Pixar fans. I mean, yeah, we have big time Pixar fans. Virtually, I, I think every single thing that they have produced, we we are are fans of, and we own. Yeah, so. uh, Coco okay, being our big nice. fa- yeah. Coco being our big favorite right now. I mean, oh that's the, yeah, we've seen oh, that. Yeah. God, that I don't know how many times is... I've seen that in the theater. We just kept going. Yeah, back. We, we saw it six times in the theater. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, wow. one once was a press screening, and then we bought tickets five times to go back and see it. <laughs> I can't wait to own it this Tuesday. I'm really excited. There you go. So, yeah, so I, I, I have to, go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, I have to say that, that so I, I came into the studio right uh, right before that, that came out. So I went to the rap party and everything, and that was my first time seeing it. And I, I watching it, I just I thought to myself, you know, I'm so glad I work at a company that's making movies like this. Oh, I know. You know, I cried every time. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about the big studios and how they're, you know, they can sometimes be churning out. Uh, you know stuff that's not the less less with pixar than good stuff and i feel like pixar they they really they're trying to you know they they do have sequels and things like that but they're trying to keep the sort of creative spirit alive which is is exciting it's the magic and and i I, we're going to skirt an issue but they're it's the leadership of pixar and where they came from and what they're trying, you know, who they're owned by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've tried to emulate what Walt Disney did. And it was all, it's story, story, story. Yeah, it's all about, story is king. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a good story, then you're not going to have a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, sure. that's kind of the, the thing that's instilled. And, and, you know, as an editor, you are... Oh, Almost a movie after, yes. after the fact. You're you're in charge of the story. Absolutely. And how it gets I mean, uh, so. a, a movie could rise, you know, or fall based on how well or how poorly it is edited. So yeah, no, no pressure, Brian. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's all about you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I, I'm just an assistant editor. I'm not. No, one blame him. No one would blame him if it all came crashing down. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, I expect, you know, and I'm just wondering if any day I'm going to be reading. You know, I'll just be like, you know, I'll open up uh, the latest issue of Variety, and all of a sudden I'm going to read about it. Pixar. You know, some assistant editor took off a shoe and beat the crap out of this editor who is ruining a film. <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. No. I, right. the, I Brian, the, Brian wouldn't lose his insurance over that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, uh, what are what are you doing? 
now? Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I know you guys like Pixar and everything, but I didn't sell out and move on to a big studio. Oh, snap! <laughs> Man, that's no, going to leave a mark. I, was, I, I think I was more excited when Brian got the job than he was. I, I don't think he'll admit that, but I was so <laughs> no, excited no. for him because it's the perfect job. Um, I'm, uh, I have been, I've been working uh, on a video game with my friend who does a lot of video game stuff. I've been doing some writing and cinematic work on that kind of area. And, and I've been writing a, a new script that I'm really excited about. I have another script that I'd written before this one that Brian had given me notes on that I have at CEA right now trying to get a package put together, hopefully to try and get it off the ground. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always constantly developing this video game stuff with the, my other good friend that I work with on that kind of th- area. Um, and then, uh, I have a, a four month old at home, so that's kind of all eating up most of my time. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. when you guys have something more on the, the various projects that you have going, you know, let us know. We'll, oh, yeah, happy, yeah. especially we'll talk to you. if, if you decide to do crowdfunding or yeah, something yeah. like that, we, we will, I mean, we've, we've been involved with a lot of uh, people that have done crowdfunding and we've, we've done interviews before, during and after and the whole nine yards and pushed awesome. it for them. So we, we will yeah. be as here. well awesome. as lent our financial support from time to time as <laughs> yes. we, you know, too, so. oh, there okay. it is. Yeah. yeah. Significant financial support on one film. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, Alex, Alex, you didn't mention uh, Stoneheart. Oh yeah, yeah. You guys would like that. I I directed a uh, a short this last year for a, a, an online platform called Crypt TV. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have okay. heard of it. Yeah, they do uh, short horror films, and they have like four million followers on Facebook, and they they're like producing uh, two new movies a week or something like that. It's insane. But uh, mine, most of their movies top out at like between two and five hundred thousand views. Mm-hmm. And mine is at almost five million views now. Wow. Rock and, and roll! And so they they basically commissioned it and have have now made a have made a web series out of that property because it was so popular. Oh, well, so look at you! you. Have, any, have any residuals on that? <laughs> in your, uh, in your unfortunately, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, oh darn! <laughs> unfortunately, they they. They're, they're like the big studio for the little guy. <laughs> yeah. mm. so we own it now. Uh, yeah, I signed, I signed my life away on that exactly. one. Unfortunately, I don't have any, any ownership of it. But it was fun. I mean, it was fun to be a part of something that was yeah. so, that was oh, so yeah. popular. And uh, it, very interesting to see, you know, just that. Because uh, I, I, I don't like horror that much. It's never been my area of interest. And I just did a lot of research and kind of looked into what they were doing and found what worked. And I felt like I hit their audience really well. So it was it was a very reaffirming directorial effort because I felt like I was able to to hit an audience that maybe isn't the audience that I'm normally, you know, in tune with and get them interested in what I was doing. Well, with their, I with found their your new calling. Yeah, but and at, at the very <laughs> least, this gives you this gives you some kind of clout. I mean, at least exactly. you can you can market your name. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's been nice to is definitely nice to have on your resume that like, oh, you know, I just directed this short, went viral. Now it's a web series. You know, yeah. five million views. Well, that's we, that's a pretty good. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good uh, conversation starter in that. No kidding. We do know about people signing their life away. We, uh, oh God, Brian please. Augustine, who did uh, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, okay. which was, it's the Batman in Victorian times. 
He yeah. created that, what, 25 20 years, ago? years ago? Yeah. You know, he worked for DC at that time, and they, they just made it into a film, and, you know. Yeah. Wow. He, he has no, in fact, the, the books that he sells at his table at cons and whatnot, he has to buy himself, so, you know. Oh, wow. That's, you know, that's so, brutal, Yeah, so, it, you know, sometimes it's all about getting your name out there and your work, and then people will will clamor for your work. Right, right. So. No, I mean, it's all part of the process, and it's, you know, I, I I learned a lot doing it, and I was still, it was still a very indie project, so I was I was definitely at home making it, but, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It's, it's always fun to be some part of something that's, that is objectively successful. And I mean, they're putting videos up to get views and mine got views where it's their others, you know, certainly more views than most of their videos get. So well, that, is, cool. that is awesome. Cool. Just awesome. So, so, well, so, wow. Thank It's been just wonderful talking to the both of you. So, um, uh, for both Alex and Brian, both of you, um, is there a presence? Do each of you have a presence, uh, in social media on the intertubes, on the Twitters and all those places? <laughs> and can, uh, the movie prodigy be found there as well? We are very uninvolved ourselves with the social media, unfortunately, for all of you who want to be our friend now. But <laughs> Prodigy has uh, a Facebook and a Twitter. I, the handle for both is, you know, at Prodigy Movie, no spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has, we have a website, the prodigy-movie.com. Uh, and you can pretty much get all of the information about everything that's going on with the movie from our, our website and our, and our Facebook are, are the most up-to-date uh, sources for mm-hmm. everything. So, Fantastic. and uh, obviously the iTunes uh, link, which I'm hoping will be associated with this somehow. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll stick it in the article that's, as well that's as the, uh, that, that's up now, and you can pre-order the movie. And uh, actually, it's in my review. Yep, there you go. Oh, and it, it will be in the the show notes for this interview. Beautiful. Yeah, that too. That's that's the uh, that's what we're our distributor is pushing iTunes heavy. So we're we're all about getting people to that iTunes order page. And and look, I think that for us, it's. I mean, we're we didn't go into this thinking like, oh, let's 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 go make a movie so we can make a bunch of money. Like, I I'm most excited. Well, to... I did. <laughs> and that's how's, that work, how's that working out for you? And that's why Brian's at Pixar now. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm most excited about get engaging uh, with the audience, and I think your guys' audience, like we were saying earlier, is the audience that I think is most in tune with what we did and what we uh, what we made and will appreciate it the most so that's why i've been really making an effort to get it out there into that audience and and circulating in that world so that hopefully as many geeks as are out there can see the movie and and pass it around yeah and speaking of uh the review ben's going to publish his review tomorrow morning right what Yesterday, as of this record, <laughs> as of this as recording, of, yeah, tomorrow yeah, as of this recording, but yesterday, sh- as of when you're listening going on to here. Anyway, um, we have two other contributors that have the link to watch it, and I will bug them to go ahead and watch that and get their reviews awesome. out there. That way, you can have a couple more reviews on our website, and you can get awesome. everybody's you know take on that. Well, so, we'll take as perfect. many reviews as you can give us. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show this time. Oh, absolutely. This was tons of fun. Yeah, we've had a great time. Thank you guys for having us. Appreciate it. You don't need to hear their identification. They're the two gay geeks. 
They can go about their business. Move along. Here are a few selected birthdays for February 26th through March the 4th, 2018. February 26th, Johnny Cash. The Man in Black. The Man in Black. The Folsom Prison Blues and all that kind of neat stuff. Yeah. So, also, William Frawley. If I'm not mistaken, that's I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy, Fred, yes. And he was... He was actually 62 when they started filming that thing. Yeah, yeah. He actually, was born he, in 1889. Good or God, crazy yeah. something like that. And he was not supposed to be in I Love Lucy. He was supposed to be Gail Gordon. Yeah. Also on February 26th, Victor Hugo, famed author and author. Yeah, um, author, lo- author, lo- author. lots. Yeah, Alfred Toast. Yes. <laughs> February twenty seventh, Marilla Frenny, who opera was a singer. famed opera singer, who was also from the very town that uh, Luciano Pavarotti, Modena. Oh God! Italy. For a second there, I thought you were going to say from the very town I grew up in. No, no. <laughs> Why? No, not hardly. <laughs> no, the next one, John Steinbeck, could have been On writing the other hand, Maybe <laughs> could have been writing about the hometown that I grew up in. Uh, John Steinbeck on. February 27th, and Elizabeth Taylor. Who, at one time, was probably the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, she was incredible. Also, we have uh, Logan Marshall, who is a friend of ours from Arizona Opera, and Danny Noonan, who is a uh, listener and friend from Down Under that we acquired uh, during the Slice Days. Oh, my gosh, yes. Amazing. February 28th. Bernadette Peters. I didn't know she was an opera singer. <laughs> yes, there's a, a little funny story about that. Mm. I have the habit of, of in the car listening to Met Opera Radio, and every once in a while they, they run this little bumper and they say, Hi, I'm Roberta Peters, and you're listening to Metropolitan Opera Radio on Sirius XM. And I thought... I didn't know that she was an opera singer. <laughs> and for the longest time, I thought it, I thought it was Bernadette Peters, and then I realized, oh my God! <laughs> okay, well that's a little craziness of my own there. Also on February twenty eighth, Frank Gehry, famed architect, and Linus Pauling, who won two Nobel prizes. He was Ooh. a chemist, and uh, among other things, he. He is uh, one of the only people to have won two Nobel, more than one Nobel Prize, and the only person to win two Nobel Prizes singularly. So most of the others that won Nobel Prizes were in tandem with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and what was uh, were they both for the same same field? No, actually, two different fields. One was uh, genetics and one was chemistry or something. Wow, a bit of a scientific renaissance man. Yeah, interesting. He was also environmental activist and all kinds of things. I mean, just in his later Okay, I'm feeling very (laughs) inadequate now. Thank (laughs) you. He did lots and lots of things. And we're going to include a a couple of birthdays here that are actually February 29th that some of them are celebrated on March 1st or the 28th. So one of those is Dinah Shore. And we we drive on Dinosaur Boulevard virtually every, every, every time, time we go, go through Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah, we're there. So also Joaquino Rossini. I didn't know he was a leap year baby. Yeah, he's mostly March first is when they celebrate it, but uh, that he was uh, a leap year baby. Ah. Tony Robbins, famed author, mm-hmm. and Richard Ramirez, serial killer. Ah, yeah, he was uh, the Night Stalker. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
I, I just had to put that on there because it, you know, unusual birthday person, etc. Right. March first, Ron Howard. Oh, Opie. Opie, yeah. How about that? And who's grown up and and become a direct, a wonderful director, fabulous own, director. Right? And if there's anything that could possibly save the upcoming Han Solo movie, it'll be because he took it over. Yep. Also on March first, Lupita Nyong'o, who, who right he, now is probably one of the most popular women on the planet due to uh, Black Panther. Oh yeah. David Niven and Frederick Chopin. I didn't realize that Chopin was uh, actually Polish, and his his name is it's just, actually Chopin. If I'm not, but but the Chopin that's a French pronunciation. Yes, that's the pr- French uh, French pronunciation. But uh, Polish is Friedrich blah blah blah, and it's spelled just like C H O P I N. Yeah. Yeah. Also on March first, Glenn Miller and Harry Belafonte. And E.M. Knowles, who we uh, have acquired as a friend through Horrible Imaginings Film uh, Festival in San Diego. Many friends we've acqu- yes, acquired through them. Absolutely. March 2nd, Gates McFadden. Cheryl, and, don't call me Gates McFadden. Yeah, and Desi Arnaz. Senior. Senior, yes. Daniel, Ricky. Ricky. And Daniel Craig. And Dr. Seuss, Theodore Seuss Geisel. Also, Bedrish Smetana, who wrote The Bartered Bride. Uh, uh, I thought a, that name a sounded of, familiar. A couple of other operettas, uh, quite popular during his time. Also, good friend Mark Ross, who has, is still working on his film. Yeah, the, but the he's, you can see, I and mean, he posts regular updates. Absolutely. So we, there's no question, he is working on that film. He's working, working, working. I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm seen, very excited we've about We've seen it. a lot of footage from it, but... Not, none of it put together. You no, know? but it, 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 you know, hopefully hopefully within a year or so, he'll finally have the thing out, and I cannot wait. Yeah. March 3rd, James Doohan. Scotty. And Alexander Graham Bell, ah. as well as Chief Joseph, the chief uh, of, he, the Nez of the Nez Pierce Indians. Yes. yes. March 4th, Chris Squire. One of the best bass players ever. And Rick Dees. Who you actually had a conversation with on an airplane. Yes, I, I actually sat next to him in first class on the way back from uh, a business trip uh, from Atlanta here to Phoenix. And we were sitting there and chatting and chatting. And How you know, long ago was that? Oh, my gosh. That was five, six years ago. Okay, so that predates this show. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And also on March 4th, Antonio Vivaldi, born in 1678. He was also not only a composer, but he was a, a priest. And there's an apocryphal that. story yeah. that he was always late for Mass because he was always writing music, and they had to hound him to come celebrate Mass. Mm. Anyway, also on March 4th, our favorite cat sitter, Raven. Happy birthday, Raven. Happy birthday, Raven. And that is it for the birthdays this time. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week... Keep it geek.
go give a listen to our good friend Joe over at Geektitude Podcast. And now, it's time for that ever-favorite feedback. Feedback palooza. Almost this time. We kind of held off on a little bit because of so much content we've had in the last week or so, but... We're going to catch up today. So starting with episode 156, we had a comment from Hamish Downey, our good friend Hamish. And he says, thank you as always for the mention on the podcast. And he asks, do you think Altered Carbon or Sense8 was more dense to get into? And it created a bit of a dialogue. So, And then Keith, uh, what well, you wrote back with... Oh boy. Hmm. For me, I was right into Altered Carbon. Ben had some difficulty with the quote-unquote words used to describe things, the world building stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think Sense8 was harder for me to get in uh, and get acclimated to. But since we've become accustomed to the way things are written and filmed these days, I would say it was a little easier, just in my humble opinion. Right. Um, you know, and I, I kind of agree with that. And Hamish uh, responded with, that's good to know. I'm hoping to watch this one soon. And I did come back with um, the fact that uh, both of these series, they just kind of throw you right into the mix and they do require patience to get through the first uh, third to half of their respective series in order for all the pieces to take place. Altered Carbon was tougher because of the words and terminology, but I personally have a problem with dystopian science fiction. It's not something I readily grab onto, but what helped me to keep going with Altered Carbon, despite the terminology and dystopia, was that it was a very noirish detective series as well. That was enough to keep me interested until all the backstories were given and filled in the gaps. And Hamish came back with, sounds good, but not good for me right now. I'm going to stick with RuPaul's Drag Race and Lady <laughs> Dynamite as my way of recharging after the shoot. Uh-huh. And for anybody who remembers, uh, yeah, Hamish uh, just did a, a really phenomenal shoot. He did a feature film and filled it in four, four days. Four days, yeah. yes, four days. So now moving ahead to episode 157 where we got to interview Amazon Eve. And uh, we got a comment from Maurice Himes, who directed her in his film Chimera. And he says, congratulations, Keith, Ben, and Erica. That's Amazon Eve's real name. I love this episode. Fascinating interview. Loved every minute of it. And then I'm, I'm going to quote now from a, an email that Maurice sent to us uh, in, result, uh, in response to that, which kind of went a little further. He says, congratulations on putting, putting on yet another excellent show. Erica was truly fascinating and, as always, Keith's and Ben's skills as consummate conversationalists made the hour just fly by and left me hungry for more. I continue to be a huge fan. Well done. Yes, thank you very much. Wow. Wow. I, I Wow. I mean, I was, I almost cried when I, I read yeah, that. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I did too. I was very reclaimed. I mean, thank you, Maurice. I mean, and from your gods to everybody else's ears who... You know, if they're, if they're looking for a place to be in, you know, well, interview from, people. From your gods to everyone else's ears. From what? Ears. Did I say that? Yes, you did. Oh, silly. <laughs> oh well. Oh, well. From you, you your, understand what we're saying. Yeah, from, from your mouth, Maurice, to everybody else's ears. Oh, boy. I had that kind of a week. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we close off with episode 157 from good friend Audra Hall. I guess we announced her birthday. And she yeah. came back with, hooray, with lots of pretty hearts. Yeah. And then we had a, a, review, a review that I posted for the movie Black Panther. And uh, got a couple of comments on that, which are nice. Uh, we got one from our favorite travel agent, 
Teresa Karkori, and she says, wonderful review. Can't wait to see it. Yay. Got another review from Duncan Richoff, and he's the husband of uh, Andre Richoff, who also writes for TG Geeks. Yeah. And he says, glad you loved it. Definitely my favorite Marvel movie. Filled with amazing actors. Some I've loved for years, and some that I definitely want to see more of. Yeah. And then we got a comment from Mark Ross, who we just were celebrating his birthday, and he says, this is good news. I had very high hopes for the film. Sounds like they delivered at every level. Happy to hear this. Perhaps Marvel should take over Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah. No comment. Uh, and then, uh, as we all know now, uh, our good friend Jeannie Koch, who is the amazing author of the Alien Kitty Cat series and Pop Culture Maven, she does a story for us uh, every Wednesday where she reviews an old classic. Old classics, old classics question mark. mark. Yeah, old classics. <laughs> Newly reviewed. Newly reviewed, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she did one for Ruggles of Red Gap from 1938, and we will have the link for her review on our show notes. And we've got a comment from Hamish again, and he says, sounds like a fun movie. Is there any way to watch it? Jeannie responded to him by saying, I really enjoyed it. Hope you can find it. And then uh, our TG Geeks page, yeah. uh, which is basically Keith, wrote back with, I'm not sure what you have available in Japan, because that's where Hamish lives, but it appears to be available for rent on Amazon Video, Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as Turner Classic Movie Station. So you can yeah. check that out there. And then lastly, Ro, who uh, Rhonda Moore, she also writes for us, she posted a video of behind the scenes for the latest, it's sort of a claymation, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think she wrote a review for it uh, in that yeah. as well. There, there is a bit, there is a non spoilery review in that, uh, but the video is for behind the scenes of Early Man. And we have another comment from Hamish, and he says, Sounds like fun. What a pity it was already de- declared a flop. Do studios have any faith in films beyond opening weekend? And I didn't know it was declared a flop. Oh, well, you know. Well, I know that I took a look at it and said I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, it, when it becomes free, we might, you know. I'll take a look at it, but couple, I wasn't the least bit interested in seeing it. You're in a couple of years. You know, yeah. When there's nothing else to watch. <laughs> yeah, but that is a really good question. Do studios have any faith in films beyond the opening weekend? Yeah. Wow. I mean, because all we hear now in uh, in news items is the big uh, projected opening weekend totals. I mean, that's what everybody talks about now. And whether it achieves or fails to meet is decided, you know, that's when the decision is made. Was it a success? Is it a blockbuster? Or was it a bomb? Yeah. So, wow, I had uh, that's an interesting uh, question. We may have to save that for another time. Yeah, and that's it for our comments and feedback this time. We want to hear from you, our listeners, if you want to comment on any of our posts, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a review, whether it's on an episode, whether it's whatever. Whatever. Whatever we have, you are more than welcome to comment, and we will... Talk about your comment on air. Yeah, I mean, there have been times where uh, Tom Albert Gobelson would just give a comment on something that's unrelated to anything we've talked about. Yeah. Arkel, Brian Weber, he's done the same thing. He's just had a question that just kind of like bugging him. So he posts a comment and raises the question. So it could be about anything. Yeah. And if you want to do that, you can do that on our website at tggeeks.com on any of the episodes or any of the articles. We have a comment section at the bottom. You can comment on our Facebook page, on Twitter, or any of the other social medias and Mm -hmm. whatnot like that. You can even give us a call, and we will play your comment on air. Sasha, Dagmar, that's for you. Yeah. And we can. you can do that by calling 469-TG-Geeks. That's 469-844-3357. And remember... 
Please play nice. Yeah, baby. They're like two gay geeks. They're together, you know. They're two gay guys and they're geeks. Is that okay? Well, normally we would talk about uh, something yeah. else, but um, we've run. How do you, well? Yeah, we're not out of time. But how do you top that? Really? That interview, that wow. conversation. It was, it was fabulous. It was great, and a lot of really good information as far as talking about co-directing, co-writing, and how they they collaborated on mm-hmm. this film so well together. Yeah. And I, I thought that was that was brilliant. There was, uh, and to you don't be able hear to, that a lot. <laughs> no, you don't. And it was really nice to get their insights on the industry, uh, trying to be independent filmmakers. Uh, it, it it just all around made for a fantastic conversation and learned so much more about the movie, which the movie Prodigy, which yeah. I'm now I mean, even it, more impressed about. Exactly. I mean, they built the sets. They, they painted they, the floor they, twice. They painted the floors twice. Exactly. <laughs> it was amazing. I and mean, let's not forget Trevor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. I, I I just happened to notice that. When the credits yeah, rolling, I noticed it's it too. Like, it's like, wow, he's been a busy <laughs> he <did> boy. Everything. <laughs> and now I found out he's a cast member as well. Yeah, he's a little tiny cameo, but God bless him. I yeah. thought it was a great conversation. It was tons of fun. And we'll also uh, hopefully have two more reviews coming. One hopefully. from Roe and one from Andrea. And I don't know, depending on whether Jeannie has time to watch it, maybe she'll do one too. Yeah, but, because um, I mean, I mean, Alex initially uh, yeah, reached, reached out, out to Jeannie. To Jeannie. But hopefully we'll get Roe and uh, Andrea to write reviews and and because it, it's just a great film. I think so I too. really enjoyed it. So, And that's kind of it. And as always, we have some follow-up items. Check out our calendar on the website if you have a birthday or an event a con film festival or whatnot send us a note we'll be glad to put it on the calendar and then we'll talk about it on the show phoenix film festival april 5th through 15th 2018 at harkins scottsdale 101 oh god i'm so excited yeah over 250 films we'll probably not watch all of them we're not gonna have time to watch all of them (laughs) and twenty-five thousand attendees over 11 days don't they actually have multiple tracks running simultaneously i think so i think yeah there's no we're gonna be able to watch all of them anyway but we're just gonna have to choose the ones we choose, want to choose see and... yeah choose the block that we're really interested in the most but yep. boy am i excited and i can't wait for them to actually announce it i mean yeah. the programming i want to know what they're going to show should be close they're they're working on it right now i know it was a fun to know an inside uh inside track there that they're working on the program oh right there's now. a funny picture of greg hall who works for uh, scott uh, for the phoenix film festival and he's he's the, the picture of him doing it old school and he's just got three by five cards all laid out on a table and i went i know what he's doing yeah and you can check it out we're going to be sponsors this year we've got uh yeah i'm so excited i have a an ad in the program and they're gonna flash our um our logo. logo up on the screen Yay! and all that kind of neat stuff. And so hopefully we could be looking at a nice plethora of interviews out yeah, of this, that too. Be, I'm really, I'm really be, looking forward to that. That would be nice. Phoenix Comic Fest uh, takes place on May 24th through the 27th, 2018, at the Convention Center, Phoenix Convention Center. So check it out. They have got lots of guests to come to the Phoenix, formerly Phoenix Comic Con, right. now Phoenix Comic Fest. So check it out. Arizona Opera presents Barber of Seville, Joaquino Rossini's copy, comic masterpiece. How about that? Uh, where, Figaro, 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 yeah, Figaro, Figaro. That is part of that uh, opera. Mm-hmm. 
It is. And it's, that, it's there's one of the most famous of, arias from that opera. Yeah, there's lots of music oh, from that great opera. Great music, and it's funny. Yeah, that, that people know, but they don't know, you may not know that it's from that opera. It's a good first time opera yes, for if, people if, to see. It, right. Because uh, it's, it's there, great it's, it's, music, it's lots very, of fun. It's very accessible. Yes. And it's uh, playing in Tucson March 3rd and 4th, and in Phoenix March 9th and 11th. Tickets are still available at azopera.org. Check out the third edition of Podcasting for Dummies, written by T. Morris and Chuck Tomasi. Go to podcastingfordummies.com. And as everybody knows, we are huge supporters of independent creators. As evident by the interview we had. Yes, and uh, whether it's filmmakers, comic book artists, writers, etc., please consider supporting independent creators. Buy their stuff, you know, give them money to do their work, etc., it you never know you what could you're be attaching be yourself to something really of. awesome exactly special shout out to doctor who talking who and the human oracle they are both on twitter they both have paper leaves that they publish regularly doctor who talking who theirs is the doctor who fancast guide the human oracle his is the oracle times post dispatch news if you want to find the Doctor Who Fancast Guide, go to Twitter and look for at Talking Who. If you want to find the Arkle Times Post-Dispatch News, once again, go to Twitter and look for at Arkle. And speaking of Arkle, he has the incorrect Star Trek Voyager quotes. And holy moly, they're highly, highly incorrect because he loves to toy with my mind. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> not, not just you, but everybody. <laughs> uh, but I think he really, but I seem to remember the comment where he yes. it was all for me. <laughs> he said, I post some things there just to just see to if see fans are going to read it. <laughs> Love you, Brian. <laughs> and we want oh, to give, give a shout out. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. <laughs> there's a shout out. I'm, I'm still mulling over the incorrect Star Trek quotes. Yes. yes. Uh, see what it's you've still done. your turn. Yeah, it's still my turn. Yeah, special shout out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, because it's, it's an awesome Facebook page. Phenomenal content there. Really, really great people. You do have to request to join it. And the only uh, condition is that you play nicely there. That's all. And they allow us to share our content there, obviously our episodes, and sometimes even some of our stories. So special thanks to their number one moderator, Jeremiah Reeves. So thank you, Jeremiah. Yes, thank you, Jeremiah. We want to remind you to occasionally click on our Amazon ads. You can find them at the bottom of each article and each episode, as well as widgets on the right-hand side of the page for things that we are kind of talking about and uh, people that we know. And lastly, check us out on iHeartRadio. Please rate us on and review us on iTunes and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Up next week, uh, who knows? Well, this interview fell in our laps just days ago, so yep. that's the way we seem to roll these days. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We will have several links on the page. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, tggeeks.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 469-TG-GEEKS. That is 469-844-3357. From TG Squared Studios, I am Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. I bid you peace. I bid you cheers. Cheers.